So in this session, we're going to talk about the future. Where are the flying cars? In September 1962, riding the success of the Flintstones, Hanna-Barbera Company decided to come up with a brand new show called The Jetsons. And The Jetsons, in case you haven't seen it, features the Jetson family. They live in a futuristic utopia. There's George Jetson and his lovely wife Jane and their children, teenage Judy and little Elroy, who's a little genius. And they also have a robotic maid named Rosie and a talking dog called Astro. Their world is powered by wonderful robots, fancy flying cars, people live in buildings that are in the sky, and they have all the wonderful high-tech devices that you can imagine. Their wonderful technologies actually give them the life of freedom that they love. They work three days a week, and they seem to be having a fabulous time. And this is the promise of the future that we get in many different ways. If you look back through TV shows and movies and predictions and adverts, this idea that the future is going to be fantastic and technology in all its glory will be our savior. And so we've been sold the belief that as technology improves, it's going to make us happier, it's going to give us more time, and we'll be able to enjoy our lives more. Freed from the shackles of hard work and having to do all these different things all the time and having to do manual labor, we will now enjoy a life of wonder, pleasure and freedom. This is essentially the narrative that we have been sold for almost a hundred years and millions of others like myself have believed this idea that as a society, tech will save the day. Science and technology will be our savior and make us happier and give us time and freedom to really enjoy the important things in life. Even the tech companies themselves keep saying this, that we're going to give you this new phone, it's going to give you all this time, you'll be able to do all these things easier. And so we're giving this message again and again and again. So let's just stop a moment, cast our mind back to the past. There have been many predictions about the future, and we are now actually living in the future that is predicted to have given us more time, more freedom, more joy. So here we are in the future. Has it actually given us all of these things that it was meant to? Back to the real future. When I was 10, I went to the movie theater to watch the highly anticipated sequel Back to the Future 2. And as you can imagine, being 10, I was very excited, exactly the kind of film that I would like to watch. It was 1989, 
And like the Jetsons, the future and Back to the Future 2 looked incredible. My 10-year-old self delighted in seeing flying cars, hoverboards, self-drying clothes, super cool shoes, 3D graphics that jumped out from across the street. There was mini pizzas that came real size, ready to eat in seconds. So this was the envisioned world of October 21st, 2015. And like many others, I believed something like this was probably going to happen by the time we reached 2015. So now imagine time traveling from 1989. You might have seen Back to the Future too. Time traveling from 1989 all the way up to today. What really happened? What is the world really like? And how does it match up to the predictions that we were shown? In my case, in the real October 21st, 2015, my future self was not flying around in a flying car or playing on a hoverboard as my 10-year-old self would have liked to have been. Instead, like millions of others, future Michael was actually hunched over a laptop feeding a mild online shopping addiction on Amazon, browsing the net, checking Facebook, and filling about with his phone. The future, it turned out, was quite a letdown. And I distinctly remember the day, October 21st, 2015, because while I was shopping on Amazon, I saw a big banner at the top of the screen showing the DeLorean dashboard. You know, if you've seen Back to the Future, you might remember it. And they would put in the numbers of what time they wanted to go with the future or past and press a button and once they reached a certain speed it disappeared and reappeared at that time so i saw that dashboard image on october 21st and it showed the numbers october 21st so amazon's genius marketing department had cleverly reminded me and millions of other shoppers that this day is the very same day that we'd seen all those years back And of course, being excellent marketers, they provided a link to watch Back to the Future for free with Amazon Prime. A genius piece of marketing, if ever there was one. And as I sat there at my desk looking at this banner, I felt a very peculiar feeling come over me. It was an extremely surreal moment. Wow, I actually am in the future. Right now, today, I'm living inside this magical future that I had imagined when I was 10 years old, sitting there at the cinema. And in a split second, the last 26 years flashed through my mind. I almost felt like I'd had a life review when people leave their bodies and near-death experiences and see their life in front of them. And so I was in a state of shock for a moment. And I saw the joys, the mistakes, and everything else that I'd done in my life. And all of a sudden, I came back to my senses, sitting at the computer, looking at this banner. Overwhelmed by what had just happened, and not really in the mood to think too much about my life at that time, I did what most people do. I chose to distract myself from my feelings, and I swiftly abandoned the work that I was attempting to do clicked the banner link, and watched the entire movie on Amazon Prime. 
So for the next 90 minutes, I watched Back to the Future 2 and relived those same scenes that my 10-year-old had seen back in 1989. It was a very interesting experience. And what shocked me the most was how appallingly inaccurate most of the movie makers' predictions turned out to be, compared with the actual world that I was living in as I watched the movie. So it was very strange. So you're watching this future prediction and being in that same future. And as I looked around my real world, I discovered there's no flying cars. Well, at least not in the average person's possession, although apparently they have started developing them. There's no mass-produced hoverboards. There's no self-drying jackets. There were no hydrating machines that turned little pizzas into big ones. There was no weather service to change the weather perfectly. There was no upside-down transport machines like we saw in the future. In the real future, phone booths are all but dead. They showed phone booths in the film. Hardly anyone even knows what a fax machine is. And most people don't use newspapers. They get their news online. But frankly, the lack of flying fun and all these things was the least disconcerting discrepancy between what really happened and the imagined future. And by the far the most significant missing feature from the film, the really big thing that they missed, and similar movies about the future missed, if you look back, the big thing that no one predicted was the rise of cell phones, the internet, and social media. Nobody caught this. So in my view, the biggest blunder was that they did not imagine a world where instead of driving around in flying cars, people are staring down at their hands at little screens, utterly unaware of the world around them. And it wasn't just Back to the Future. Many, many, many other people who've attempted to imagine the future also missed this fact. If you watch these films or you read books about the future, very rarely do you ever come across a situation where the entire population spends hours and hours a day looking down at little screens. But it wasn't just filmmakers and writers who got it wrong. It was also technology companies themselves. For example, I recently spoke with a retired executive of a large computer company that produced hardware for companies like Apple. I was actually driving in a taxi with him and I asked him, what did you think about the future about the devices what do you think about all these different things that are going on now and he said when he was an executive he used to meet with other executives in the company and imagine what the future of technology was going to be like and they would meet on a regular basis every week or every couple of weeks and have these big meetings and brainstorming because they needed to have an idea where the industry was moving in order for them to be on point, yeah? Otherwise, they'd go out of business. And he said he used to leave those meetings feeling on top of the world, or they had it all cracked and they knew where it was going to go and confident about their version of what the future was going to be. And they're in the best position to know about this because they work in the industry and they see things changing. 
But frankly, he said, and he looked kind of amused at himself. He said, look, we got it completely wrong. We were so far off from what has actually happened. It's funny now. None of us, none of us in that room saw cell phones and the internet and iPads coming. No one. They were completely off. And then he went to say that it's a wonder to see how much Steve Jobs was a genius because Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple and the creator of the iPhone, he did perceive this. He saw what hardly anyone else could even imagine. And I was a bit surprised to hear this, but in retrospect, it seems obvious now that everyone has a smartphone, but at the time, nobody imagined it. And this executive is not alone in his disbelief and bewilderment. I find it fascinating that despite the fact there are endless movies and knowledge about what could happen and all these different novels, no one, with the exception of Steve Jobs and perhaps a handful of others, foresaw the rise of devices and the virtual world that is coming with it. And by the way, the way things are going now is that virtual reality and augmented reality are going to take off. And this is actually very scary, and we'll talk about it later on. Okay, So be, be very aware of where things are going. So coming back to this discrepancy between the idea that this technology is going to make our lives better and what has actually happened, which is that we have become a society of people spending hours and hours and hours a day, four or five or up to eight hours a day or more, looking down at our screens, this is rather shocking. No flying cars, and here we are looking down at our hands all day long. So let's look at this inconsistency. On the one hand, the real world lacked flying cars and hoverboards, but the interesting thing is that the real innovations in 2015, 2016 existed not in physical space, but in cyberspace. So there have been improvements, you could say, or changes or developments, but they're not in the real world. They are in cyber world, cyberspace. It turns out that the future is not actually in the world, but inside the world of billions of devices that billions of people carried around or attached to their bodies, like an enhanced brain or a second self. So instead of our physical lives being adorned with futuristic pleasures like flying cars and exciting space travel, as predicted, we've become a society of escapists who are on average spending four to five hours a day of our waking lives absorbed in a virtual world. So that's nearly four months a year lost in a screen. And it's only going to get worse as virtual reality and augmented reality takes over the world in the near future. So in the real future, if things carry on, we're going to spend in a period of 10 years, let's say the next 10 years, the average person is going to spend at least three and a half years of their next 10 years inside of a virtual reality, not aware of the world around them. And that's being conservative. It could well be 
a lot more than that. So over a 30-year period, many people are going to spend 10 years or perhaps even 20 years being hooked into a fantastical reality, divorced from their day-to-day lives and their bodies. So the real future is through a device. That's what it's turned out to be. Our current world, there's no flying cars. We haven't solved world problem or disease or violent crime or terrorism or the health crisis. In fact, in the real future, we are trashing the planet with wild abandon. And despite the endless barrage of online entertainment, people are on average eight times more depressed, more stressed and more anxious than they were in the 1950s, according to Oliver James, the psychologist. We take way more medication, four to eight times more medication for mental health. About 11 to 20%, depending on which stats you look at, people are on antidepressants these days in the Western world because of mental health and emotional distress. We are consuming more drugs, more narcotics than at any other time in history. We have more health problems, and recently it's been shown that the average life expectancy of people in America is even getting less. So the real future turns out to be a world full of depression, addiction, and people coping through drugs and entertainment, instead of this wonderful, glorious utopia where technology makes our lives better. And very interesting to think about this, because on a physical level, compared with the 1990s, our physical lives are much the same as they were in terms of the things we had. Back then, in the 90s, we had TVs, washing machines, music players, ovens, microwaves, toasters, blenders, juices, computers, phones, cars, planes, space travel, electric music. Yeah, All these things were around in the 90s. And sure, they were a little bit more chunky, a little bit more clunky. They didn't look quite as cool. They weren't quite as fancy. They were a bit heavier. But they were basically the same thing. You could still drive around. You could still go and see a movie. You could still make your food in the kitchen, do your clothes, all this stuff, technology. People even went to space, you know. Same sort of things as it is now in the physical world. And now, what's going on? Our homes have got a few new Bluetooth gadgets and a few new features, you know, to have fancy little things. You walk in the door and the lights go on and stuff like that. But really nothing much significant and meaningful has actually changed in the physical world. But what we didn't have back in the 90s, when Back to the Future came out in 1989, is we didn't have constant access to the internet. We didn't have social media. We didn't have instant messaging. And we didn't have a powerful pocket computer or virtual reality device that allowed us to get lost in an endless array of highly addictive apps, games, and ignore the world around us. Back then, not so long ago, we couldn't ignore the world that we were living in. And now we can just stare down at our screen or plug into our thing and start disappearing into this reality, digital reality, fake reality. 
Back then, we didn't have masterfully designed social media tools that have hooked millions of people into abandoning the world around them in favor of tapping and swiping on their screens. And in the real future, the world we live in now, we have more distractions and more entertainment than ever. And yet, despite all of these so-called advances, Life has arguably got a lot worse because many experience chronic stress. People feel that they're never keeping up with the pace of modern life. And the pain of being chronically connected and plugged in 24-7 is making it impossible for people to actually get anything done. So people are less productive. They're comparing themselves to everyone else on the internet, on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, and feeling depressed. Many, many people, especially teenagers going on Instagram, are feeling depressed. They're having mental illness problems because they compare themselves to other people and feel that even though their life in itself is good, compared to others, it's not as good as other people, and therefore they feel insecure unworthy and unloved and there's something wrong with them so despite all these wonderful improvements so-called improvements people are more depressed more anxious more stressed they feel like they got less time they're trying to check their phone all the time keep up with the latest apps that need reinstalling and updating the phone software and updating the computer software and trying to figure out how to use their smart because despite all this online convenience, people nowadays scarcely ever talk to any real people. People are afraid of each other and hardly anyone phones each other up anymore. Back in the 80s and 90s, people used to actually talk to each other. Nowadays, everyone texts, 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 instant messages and so we are losing the capacity to actually connect with one another. Have you ever felt that instead of phoning someone up to talk to them, you just send them a quick text message? You know, just text it, probably easier. Send them a quick email. Yeah, this has got to the point where people barely ever talk to each other and are afraid to connect with each other. And so, despite all this technology and games and apps, what we have to remember, and this is not obvious, is that in the past, technology was neutral. Yeah, if you wanted to watch a video, you could put in your video or your DVD, and you'd play it. And of course, depending on the DVD or the video, you would have that experience. The video player wasn't made to be addictive in and of itself. It was just a machine. Nowadays, with the rise of apps and smartphones, technology has become weaponized. It has become weaponized. It is designed to be highly, highly, highly addictive and irresistible on purpose. And these companies have invested millions and now billions of dollars in how can you get people hooked. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is a matter-of-fact thing. They'll tell you it themselves. People who work in these companies know that they need to design it to be highly, highly addictive so that people keep coming back for more. So their job is how can we make it more addictive, more addictive, more compulsive, and get people 
into it again and again and again. And as you can see, the rise of the amount of hours spent on this stuff is getting out of control. And the reason is they want you to spend lots and lots of time checking out their apps and playing their games and going on social media because the companies that produce these things benefit the more people use them. So technology now dominates us. It has made us addicted and slave to it so that we have more and more and more and more time spent on all these things. It's become more intrusive, more demanding, and less and less real joy is given to us in return. So we are being intruded upon by technology and more addicted to it and more dependent upon it. So this is not the idea of the future we were sold. We were not sold the idea that we would be trapped in a highly addictive tech society where we stare into glowing screens all day long. This is not the future that most of us in our right mind would like to live in. But the problem we face is that we are using weaponized tech nowadays that takes us away from our right minds and makes us into addicts. Weaponized tech is designed to trigger the addict mind. Consciously designed, purposely designed to trigger the addict within us. It's designed to keep us hooked and keep us coming back. And despite the harm it causes us in our lives and mental well-being, we can't help ourselves going back for more and more and more. And each day that we use it, by the way, the tech companies are split testing what makes it more addictive and what makes it less addictive. And they are adding more and more and more addictive qualities through testing, constant testing to see what's going to get the biggest results. So every day we use it, they get better and better and better at keeping us hooked. So that it gets more and more dangerous as time goes on. So we've been suckered into this, this use of technology with this pervasive myth that new is better. New is better. This is basically what it comes down to. Anything that's new techie is going to be better than the old techie. And for the last hundred years or more, the prevailing idea that technology would save us time and allow us endless hours of freedom has turned actually into the exact opposite. It's become a tyranny. It's become like a freedom fighter who turns into a dictator. So instead of tech liberating us from work and us living in a utopian life of pleasure like the Jetsons, where tech just makes everything nice, work three days a week, enjoy ourselves. In our real jacked up world, most people are now spending on average a third of their waking time or more plugged into devices. And so we're losing over three or four months a year, depending, plugged into these devices. Yeah, This is a huge amount of our time going into this stuff. This is three or four months a year that could be spent in other more nourishing, more healthy, more holistic, more wonderful holistic pursuits and real growth. The tables have now turned. Technology was supposed to help us, but we've made our tools, our servants, smarter 
and more sophisticated than ever, and yet we ourselves, the creators, have become dumber, more numb, more addicted, and more dependent upon our tools. So technology has become smarter, we have become more stupid, more juvenile, and more addicted. Because technology activates these lower natures, it makes people more lazy, it makes people miss appointments, it makes people show up for things late, it triggers addictive behaviors, right? So we've given the power over to these different devices while we ourselves have lost out on our peace of mind and become depressed and lonely and lost. Most of us don't even have any time to think our own thoughts and figure out what we really want because we're having to keep up with all this stuff and check our stats and check the notifications and install the new software and get back to this person and get back to that person on email and Facebook and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But to have a great life, we need space, we need time, we need to focus on what is really important to us, what is really important to you. So all this endless tech is making us lose out on what is truly deep and meaningful to us. And who are the ones who benefit from all this excessive consumption? Who is winning? We're not winning, we're losing. Who is winning? The profiters of this unrestrained, overindulgent usage are a handful of tech companies, most of them in the Silicon Valley area, and many of whom, like Facebook and Google and Amazon, didn't exist at the time of Back to the Future 2. All these companies did not exist in 1990. So the new kings of the world are actually the ones who feed us more and more and more tech and profit from selling us faster and faster devices with more and more and more addictive apps and games and social media channels. So instead of a flying car, we got a smartphone. Instead of a flying car, Instead of freedom, we got smartphones and social media. Instead of a life of leisure and freedom, we got a life of clicking and swiping the endless notifications demanding our attention and compliance. Instead of enjoying real bonding time with real loved ones in real life, We've ended up as a disconnected and lonely society with a thousand fake friends and shallow relationships on Facebook and social media that actually leave us feeling empty and alone. And instead of looking up into the sky and living our dreams, we're looking down into our hands in a low-level despair that we didn't get enough likes on Facebook. So this course is about reimagining the future, reimagining the future, starting again, and creating a future that you yourself want to live in, creating a future that is worth celebrating, 
we can create our own future. Technology has the potential to actually make our lives better if we use it in a certain way. And so what we're going to be doing is learning how to break free from the tyranny of addictive and weaponized technology so that we don't spend our entire lives sucked into these things basically being pawns and slaves to big corporate companies because that's what it is and you'll learn about that more later so you can put your life first so you can break free from the monotony of just random swiping and, and scrolling and a dystopian society of addicts yeah break free of it and reimagine your dreams what is your highest experience what do you want to feel every day what will you do with all this spare time that you're going to get back? The world is yours. The world is at your command. It's up to you to learn how to handle it. Are you ready for the real future?